In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Since August 15th falls on a Sunday this year, we celebrate Mary's Assumption this weekend. There's two options for readings. One set is for the Mass on Saturday evening, otherwise known as the Vigil Mass, and another for the Mass on Sunday during the day. We'll choose the Mass during the day for our setup. When it comes to our first reading taken from the Book of Revelation, it can be very easy to take this sort of approach. Oh, here the author is clearly talking about Mary when he mentions the woman appearing in the sky, so that's that, and that's all we need to know. But truth be told, John is drawing heavily from Jewish and pagan myths in this passage from Revelation. Primarily, he's recasting a popular legend at the time about the birth of the god Apollo. In the legend, Apollo's mother became pregnant with him by Zeus, but Python saw that this child would replace him as ruler over the oracle at Delphi. So Python set out to kill the child. Meanwhile, Zeus ensured that the child remained safe and was brought to term. He was, and Apollo ended up slaying the dragon. Now, in all of this, it's quite possible that John, the author of Revelation, is taking this popular story of Greek mythology and, in a way, Christianizing it. He wants to present the story of Jesus' birth in a new way. So here, John combines elements from Greek mythology, but also from Canaanite and Hebrew folklore as a way to tell the story of Jesus' birth through a new lens. Perhaps even a way to relate more to a pagan audience, although that wasn't the intended audience of Revelation. But with all that said, the question still remains. Just who is the woman in this story? More than likely, John meant for it to be multi-layered in meaning. Speaking very concretely, the woman could stand for Mary, since she actually did give birth to Jesus. But the woman could also stand for the people of Israel, since the Messiah was to be born out of Israel. And furthermore, to that point, the woman's experience of being nourished in the desert is quite similar to that of Israel's being fed by the manna. Lastly, the woman could stand for the Christian church. The woman's crown could signify the twelve apostles, and the giving birth could be much more figurative, in the sense that, through their martyrdom, the members of the early church are bringing Jesus forth into the world. Now, since it's taken from the middle of a chapter, when our second reading begins, Paul has just finished playing out a rhetorical possibility. What if Christ wasn't actually raised from the dead? He famously says that if Christ has not been raised, then empty is our preaching and empty too your faith. But our second reading picks up right after Paul has finished this hypothetical scenario. And therefore, the lector at Mass should, hopefully, place a major emphasis on the first line. Brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead. How does Paul go on to describe this? Well, he uses two metaphors. The first is of the harvest and the second is of the military. Paul describes Christ as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits were the initial temple offering a farmer made at harvest time. But they were also seen as a promise, a sign of hope on the part of the farmer that, if I offer to God what has arrived first, the remainder of a bountiful crop will surely follow after it. Paul's parallel to the resurrection is this. Jesus is our first fruits offering, demonstrating that if Jesus is raised from the dead, so too can we hope to be raised from the dead. After this parallel, Paul also uses a parallel with regards to the military. He says that in Christ shall all be brought to life, but each one in proper order. This each in proper order is the word tagma in Greek, a military term referring to the position of different troops in their order, rank, and file. 
Thus, Paul is saying that we can also understand the resurrection in terms of rank, in terms of tagma. Christ as the head ranks the highest and therefore has already been raised. But soon, everyone who belongs to him will follow in behind like a military march to the resurrection. There's so much more we could say here about the second reading, but we move on to the gospel now. When Mary sets out and travels to the hill country in haste, recall that this is immediately after the angel Gabriel had visited her with the news of her pregnancy. And so the journey from Nazareth to this hill region near Jerusalem is about 80 miles. So it's no light saunter in the park for Mary. But the way that Luke presents this meeting between Mary and Elizabeth is a literary masterpiece. In fact, he takes up five different aspects of the story of the Ark of the Covenant in the second book of Samuel and shows how, by bearing Jesus, Mary has now become the new Ark of the Covenant. Let me explain. First, we see that Mary went in haste, just as David went in haste to a village of Judah to retrieve the Ark. In fact, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible has the same word used for David's action as is used here for Mary's action. Second, Mary is described concretely as entering Zechariah's house, just as the ark entered the house of Obed-Edom. In addition, Elizabeth cries out in a loud voice, just as the people of Jerusalem shouted out loudly before the ark. Next, Elizabeth's question to Mary, and how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me, sounds quite similar to when David was bringing the ark up to Jerusalem and said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And finally, Mary stays with Elizabeth about three months, which was the same amount of time the ark remained in the house of Obed-Edom before David brought it up to Jerusalem. So what's Luke's purpose here as he retells the story of the visitation? He's showing that Mary has become the true ark of the covenant in a way that the former ark of the Old Testament foreshadowed. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.